Hello and welcome to the Constructor Podcast, the future of the built environment. Welcome to this episode of the Constructor Podcast. Last episode, we spoke with Jordan Cram, CEO of Instoa, where New York City-based system integrator that offers a data-driven, evidence-based approach to capital project development. So Jordan and I discussed why IoT does not deliver on its promise to provide overwhelming productivity that we expected. The future of IoT, we discussed data as an asset, the notion of applying science to culture, and how Instoa has rolled this out in their own company by no organizational charts, really. Very interesting stuff. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, check it out at constructor.com slash Jordan Cram. This week, we're speaking with Simon Enuia, founder, chairman, and CEO of Building Block REIT. Building Block REIT, is a blockchain-backed real estate investment trust. It formed 2018, so just last year, by a group of real estate and blockchain technology professionals and is the first REIT in the U.S. to combine tax advantages of investing in a REIT with blockchain technology. Simon is actually local to Chicago and was able to participate in an event that the Chicago Blockchain Center hosted and where Constructor was a sponsor. This was awesome to meet him and have him participate in that event. In this episode, Simon and I cover what a REIT is, the structure of a REIT, and why it is a great way to invest in real estate. We also discuss what the opportunities are for blockchain and real estate investment, particularly with REITs. I really enjoyed talking with Simon. Listen in. So today we are talking with Simon and Wea from Building Block REIT. He is the chief executive officer and founder. Building Block REIT is a blockchain-backed real estate investment trust. So first of all, Simon, welcome to the Constructor Podcast. Thanks, Bernie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So Building Block REIT, formed by a couple of real estate and blockchain tech professionals. Tell us a little bit about, first of all, you. We actually want to know about essentially how you got into the REITs in the first place, and then we'll get into what building block REIT is later on in the interview. Sure. So I started a, um, an e-commerce site called VinaAmours.com. It's a uh, jewelry retailer uh, back in 2011. Um, is when that company started. And it's still up today. In 2016, me and my wife, after many years of real estate investing, decided to open a company called Flawless Homes, which is a real estate development company, a real estate brokerage, and a retailer for many household brands that you know for appliances and construction material and stuff like that. So we were nominated for business of the year for 2018. And, uh, built a facility in Skokie, Illinois, with a grant from the municipality. So that was all very exciting, and it worked out really well. But that's pretty much about me and how I started this journey. As you're saying that you have a location in Skokie, sounds like I actually should be stopping by. I actually live maybe about 20 minutes from there. It's not often that I speak to people that are so local to me. So... Why REITs? What, how did you get into, obviously, you, you talked about how you got into real estate, but how did you get into 
the real estate as it relates to REITs. Why was it natural to you and why is it something that you're um, interested in? Sure. Um, so uh, for me to touch on that, I have to really touch on why this all started. So I, I was approached in 2017 to invest in cryptocurrency like many people. And what I saw was that the you know a lot of the ICOs out there, about 95% of them had no merit, didn't have the right team, and could not come to fruitation. Some of them also were outright scams. Very true. Yeah. Um, the other problem I had with cryptocurrency in general was that the exchanges were not stress tested and they weren't regulated. So it was just a really bad combination. And obviously, as we saw in 2018 with a subsequent crash, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say I told you so or anything like that, but it, it, would, it just wasn't the right environment for me to, to invest in. But the underlying technology behind Bitcoin and Ethereum and all the other crypto or a lot of the other cryptocurrencies was truly fascinating and, and was amazing to me. So it was really bothering me because I had to figure out a way to use this technology. And so I usually go right to sleep. So I put my head down on the pillow and I knock out. But that night I could not sleep. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting up till three in the morning, three thirty in the morning, and I keep thinking about blockchain. Um, and then it, it's essentially it hit me. I figured, you know, we could really stabilize these markets by attaching shares to, or in some ways, you know, what some people are calling tokens to a, a hard asset that is vetted in a different way that has an appraiser that has a market. So, you know, securitizing those assets, it just made sense. And then the vehicle, and I've been, I've been thinking about REITs since 2012 or 13, a couple of years after I got into real estate, it just made sense for it to be a REIT. I mean, the tax benefits of, of the REIT tax vehicle are incredible. So that's why this came to view. Oh, that makes sense. So if you can share with the audience who may not be familiar, what is a REIT exactly? Sure. Yeah, that's a good question. So REIT stands for Real Estate Investment Trust. And there's a few different kinds of REITs. There's private REITs and there's public REITs. Essentially, a REIT is an investment vehicle for people to be able to put money into, people and institutions. And they buy REITs buy commercial real estate. It used to be pretty standard. Uh, that's grown. So the largest REIT in the U.S. right now is American Tower REIT, for example, who owns a lot of these cell phone towers, which is a very interesting real estate to own, right? Who would think, let me let me buy or lease out cell phone towers? Yeah. So the, the space has evolved, but obviously there's REITs that, you know, a lot of the malls that you walk into are owned by REITs. A lot of the skyscrapers in downtown's urban areas are owned by REITs. And so now they invest in a whole r array of different commercial um, real estate. And so um, there's some REITs that focus on a specific type like multifamily or only, you know, uh, office space. And then there's some REITs that, you know, buy different types of properties. I also want to point out that there are other REITs like mortgage REITs. And then there's some other REITs also like medical or hospital REITs that focus on those specific aspects and hospitality REITs. So if you do have a hospitality REIT where you buy hotels, you're unable to purchase other commercial real estate for that specific REIT. So, I mean, there's a lot of rules and guidelines and, you know, to keep REIT status, you have to do a lot of different things. And one of those things, and this is great for the investor, is that at least 90% of the net profits go back to the investors in the form of dividends. That was a part that I thought was really interesting about REITs, that there was that stipulation in reinvestment. And from what I understand, and, and please 
provide some clarity. There is a huge benefit from a taxation perspective because of that. So if you could share a little bit about that, that would be really helpful. Yeah, so um, there, there's no double taxation when it comes to REITs, as long as the REIT keeps the REIT status. And there's a few rules that REITs have to follow to keep their REIT status from the IRS code. And they change from private to public REITs. To be a public REIT, for example, you have to have 2,000 different investors. To be a private REIT or to be a REIT of any kind, you have to have at least 100 investors. So the 100 markets for private and then 2,000 is for public. Okay. There's also what's called the 550 rule, where no more than five people can own more than 50% of the of the stock or the shares. And that's to prevent, you know, somebody from hoarding essentially all the shares and, and reaping the benefits of the REIT. Um, I mean, these are really built for people to be able to invest in. And according to National Association of REITs, 90% of people that are invested in REITs don't even know it, right? So for example, if it's you know in your Vanguard account or your 401k or, or whatnot, you could be in a, a REIT fund or, or, or invested in REITs through those and you don't even know it. What I also have come across is that estimate of 80 million Americans that own REITs through the retirement savings and other investments. So I think that's an interesting point that you just raised. Uh, a lot of people may not even know it simply because it's in their portfolios. Retirement. Yeah, the REIT industry is pretty large. Three trillion dollars of, of assets under management are owned by REITs. That's a pretty large marketplace. So yeah. if you look at market size, I mean that's that's huge. Definitely is. I think for REITs to own more than three trillion in gross real estate assets, that is the majority of the commercial real estate market. Because I, I think it was like two point two trillion in like physical assets globally or something like that. So I feel like I got to double check those numbers, but that's a huge portion that's wrapped up in gross real estate assets. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the REIT structure. We talked about why you chose the REIT and how you felt blockchain, that technology itself could really support and provide that security, right? Because it's going to be backed by a real asset. So it technically would be a security token. Could you talk a little bit about how that is structured? So um, we're not calling it a security token. We are referring to it as a digital share. Essentially, what we feel like is going to happen is that many companies and financial institutions are all going to be using blockchain technology. Many are already. And we feel like within the next five or 10 years, you're going to see the underpinnings of a lot of these companies be built, you know, on blockchain technology. So a security token and a digital share, they're a little different, but very similar in many ways. So we're actually calling calling them building blocks. Those are our digital shares. Okay. They're indivisible. So, you know, one share is one share. You can't break it in half. Uh, you can't have half a building block, for example. Just having read up a little bit upon the structure, it sounds like the REIT structure allows for the building block to pass on profits from income producing real estate to investors. So, and it's way more efficient simply because it's on the blockchain. What enables that because it's on the blockchain? Great question. So yeah, let's, let's talk about essentially why we're using blockchain technology. Because I mean, the same reason why a lot of these ICOs were failing is because you, you have to ask, why are you using blockchain? For example, I, I saw um, an ice cream parlor using blockchain technology. I saw somebody with a parking app Tell me they're using blockchain technology, and it just didn't make sense. You know, why are you using it? So, right, 
you know, it has to make sense. And so um, let me tell you why we're using it and why we need blockchain technology uh, for REITs specifically. Mm-hmm. So we're digitizing those shares. We're putting those in the blockchain. Settlement times now are basically zero. I mean, you know, they have to get verified, but compared to two business days or two days in the legacy markets, that's a huge difference. That could have a lot of implications. Uh, there's a lot more market liquidity by being able to trade 24-7 using the technology. So you need to vote for re-governance and REITs. So you vote, you know, for the board of directors. And so using blockchain technology, you're able to securely vote on the blockchain. And it's immutable, it's encrypted. That can go a long way for a use case scenario for, you know, with elections coming up, that gives the government a little bit of insight into what they may be able to use in the future. So apart from that, it also eliminates a lot of the broker-dealers. So there's a big broker-dealer community that surrounds private reads and, and public non-traded reads. And they can charge, you know, I've seen charges up to 15%, but the typical is, is around 10 or 11%. So as an investor, if you're investing in a, in a public non-traded read or a private read, your 100 bucks, for example, is now $89. Well, you can cut that intermediary out by using the technology. Also, the time it takes to invest in in these private REITs and public non-traded REITs can be up to six months, especially if it's the first time investing in that specific REIT. The reason is because there's a lot of due diligence on both sides. There's a lot of contracts, as you can imagine, going back and forth, you know, contracts between the broker-dealer, contracts between the, the REIT itself and the investor. And so there's a whole bunch of stuff going on, and that all takes time. And so your money's literally on the wayside, and, you know... You're losing that benefit. Now, with blockchain technology and the the smart contract, it literally takes however long it takes for you to do it, uh, a little bit more time for for the nodes to verify. So it's a lot better. In fact, recently, REIT.com or the National Association of REITs came out with an article vindicating our technology, saying that blockchain technology could really change the way uh, private REITs and public non-traded REITs operate. And so... We knew that all along, so it was just nice to see the industry standard come up and say, okay, you know, this technology may may work. And now it's up for us to test it and and prove that it works. Yes. The technological benefits of blockchain itself, like you mentioned, the fact that it's transparent, secure, the fact that you have the governance structure as well, that's a pretty sustainable approach to blockchain. And we've talked a little bit about that on the podcast here and how that's different from, say, some of the cryptocurrencies, those actual settlements can take a few minutes. But it sounds like with the structure that you're utilizing, it will be much faster simply to do any um, contracting and transactions. The fact that also the disintermediaries are reduced in in quantity. (laughs) I don't want to say eliminated, but if they are, then that's great too because the time associated with the handoff back and forth. But in addition to that, like you mentioned, cost for the work that they do, that really does make things more efficient. Can you share a little bit about what the voting rights on the blockchain platform are? You can vote with with every share, similar to how you would vote on the read. The only difference is that you're able to do it on the blockchain where it's immutable. You know, there, there will be a user interface that essentially checks to make sure that you know you, you know you're in control of your of your product uh, with some user identity and obviously you're whitelisted so we know your social we may not have it on file because it's on the blockchain 
but it, it's it's encrypted and you're basically able to, to vote using your shares on a user interface and then you you know you vote for the regovernment so it works the same way it works in a read the only difference is is now it's faster it's there's less cost associated with it because you don't have to send out those mailers and have a third party do that for you which saves the read some money it's not a huge amount of money reads typically spend about 20 or 30 thousand dollars a month on uh, voting and stuff like that so Again, it's not a huge amount of money for a REIT because you're investing hundreds of millions of dollars many times in commercial property, but it still is a saving. So just for my knowledge, because I'm learning still, how are the partners, the typical partners selected when you're selecting them for a REIT? My understanding, based on what you're describing, is that they're voted upon. What does that look like? Because from that side of things, I'm just not as familiar from a REIT aspect. I'm a little bit more understanding on how that can take place on the blockchain. So if you could dig into that a little bit more, I'd appreciate it. Well, with partners, are you, are you talking about REIT partners, like the, the partners that we work with, like partnerships with, with different companies, or are you talking about like the REIT governance, like the board of directors? Well, I guess both, because I, I was merging them together. So if you could <laughs> distinguish the two, that'd be yeah. great. <laughs> um, well, I'm not going to bore you too much with, with the REIT governance. I think everyone's got enough of elections so far, uh, but okay. um, you know it's 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 a, it's a typical process. The only difference is that it, we're putting that on the blockchain using the same shares, and so you can vote for that. The partnerships that we make with with other companies and and enterprise companies and other corporations that's done on obviously on a, on a need basis. So we're going to have vendors like any other company. Uh, we're going to have partnerships where there's a mutual benefit for two companies. And so, you know, we pick those that are progressive. Obviously, being new to the space, being the first to announce in the U.S. that we're a U.S.-based upcoming REIT, many companies are, are, are skeptical. But there's, there are a lot of progressive ones that, that see the future. There are some that are already using it. Some companies we've talked to have over 300 people working on their, on their blockchain practice. And so, I mean, it's pretty amazing what, what some of these people and what, what some of these corporations uh, and enterprise companies are doing. Um, so, you know, we want to obviously partner with companies that we feel will give the best benefit to our investors and will give the best benefit to our company and to the space in general. Okay, so partners, to just kind of bring it home a little bit. So your partners are what type of companies? Property managers? Yeah, so essentially property management companies, REIT banks, right? So there's a lot of REIT banking where, you know, we, we leverage a certain percentage of, of the funds that we have to be able to buy more real estate. And uh, the key there is to make sure that you get more rent than you pay in, in uh, uh, interest. And so auditing companies, in our case, technology companies, title companies. I and mean, so th- there's a lot of different partners that REITs are involved in. REITs also have a lot of subsidiaries. Essentially, those are companies that the REITs own or own part of that generate income. That income is limited, though. You can't have too much money coming in from subsidiaries. You know, you still have to get them from rent, uh, rent rolls and capital gains uh, from selling of property. So, uh, but you know, REITs do have subsidiaries. I mean, there's a lot of REITs out there, even local ones here, that own banks. They own you know 1031 exchanges. Some of them own title companies. And so as long as it's good for the investor, as long as it's good for the, for the product, as long as it's good for the company and for the industry in general, then the, we'll look at those partnerships and make sure that we pick the right ones. Thanks for laying that groundwork a little bit here. So 
I understand you developed a, re- uh, a re- partnership with Fidelity National Title and to quote you, ushering a new age in title insurance. So you, obviously you talked about title insurance, title rather. But yeah, could you just explain what that looks like? What is ushering a new age in title insurance? What, what does that mean to you? Sure. So not to be too mysterious, but our agreement with Fidelity states that we can't talk about the agreement. So um, I'm going to have to not talk about our agreement with Fidelity um, at all. But I can give you some generalizations about title insurance. And I can tell you what I think may happen in the future with title insurance and blockchain technology. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) So a lot of people are saying that blockchain can have a negative impact on title insurance. I don't think that's the case. I think title, title companies are trusted and they're a trusted third party. And so... A lot of people say blockchain technology can get rid of that because of, you know, the, the public blockchain. Well, herein lies a problem. You have 100 plus years of real estate transactions, right, that will never be on the blockchain because it's already out there. And these are deeds. People have put them in safes from many years ago. These are deeds with counties that don't record digitally. So about half the counties in the U.S. don't even record digitally, right? So that would be very difficult to get that on the blockchain. So with title insurance, they basically go through and they do checks and then they insure that title. So if anything happens or somebody comes up and says, wait a minute, I already bought that property or, or whatever, they can protect you know, the, the consumer or the buyer or the purchaser on that transaction. So even with blockchain technology, that's going to change. Title companies in general still have 100 plus years of titles they need to insure. And now comes in another aspect of property purchases. So as more properties are going on the blockchain, and as there are more and more blockchains becoming available, for example, let's talk about a lot of these different slice and dice blockchain projects where they take a property, whether it's a hotel, and they fractionalize the ownership, and then they sell those shares. Well, if that goes onto someone's wallet and that hotel decides to do another raise on a different blockchain, for example, well, now there's different shares on on the blockchain. So you could have a problem where there's many different blockchains and the properties are on all these different types of blockchains. And so I think title insurance companies are going to have to figure out a way to essentially insure that title on the legacy deeds, you know, the the deeds and titles that have come across in the past hundred years. But they're also going to have to check all these different public blockchains to make sure that they figure out, you know, where this ownership is and where it's going you know, follow that chain of title. So there's a lot going on with that. So I think the industry is definitely going to evolve like many industries that are affected by blockchain technology. I don't think they're going anywhere. You know, the, the smart ones, I think, will stay in the space and will will monetize on that. And they'll also figure out a way to help people by checking those different blockchains in the future and by checking, obviously, the, the legacy titles like they have been doing. So... Let me ask you this about insurance as well. Do you think the insurance companies are accurately identifying the coverage for what should be insured? And do you think that there would be any improvement or change based upon the fact that more titles will be documented on blockchains moving forward? You know, again, I'm not a, um, I am by no means a, title expert, uh, by no means an insurance expert. So I think that as you digitize things, it does make things more convenient. 
if there are titles on the blockchain, that will definitely make it easier to check. But that means that, you know, most of them have to be on there. And so, like I said before, if half of the counties don't digitally record yet, that's going to be obviously some growing pains there. So I think that space needs to definitely evolve. And you're going to see two very different aspects of it. So one, very digital and with, with some counties like Cook, for example, right here in, in Chicago. Cook County does a great job with using blockchain for, for titles. And then you have other counties that you know may not be able to evolve that technology or may not have the means. So again, that, that space is definitely going to evolve. I definitely see a lot of improvements from blockchain, like many other industries, but I'll, I'll leave that one up to the experts. Fair. I agree with you. I think it's going to take some time for many different industries to be able to have those sorts of records to even reference in the first place, like you mentioned, 100 years of deeds sitting in, in many different ways. But I think, say we're using this technology for 50 years in the future, that's something that maybe we'll be able to realize as we as we go along. Maybe, maybe it, won't, it won't even take that long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. Um, so let's talk a little bit about trading um, um, across multiple currencies. How does that work? Is that, is that possible with building BlockRate? We will not be exposing our investors to the cryptocurrency market. Uh, we're not a cryptocurrency and we're not an ICO. But if people are investing into building BlockRate using crypto or even different fiats like yen or whatever, they can definitely trade that in for, for U.S. dollars. And then we take those U.S. dollars and we purchase real estate with them in the U.S. And the dividends are paid back because obviously we're getting rent in U.S. dollars. And so we don't want to you know, keep changing the money and, and losing money on the exchange rates. So we're going to have a few options on, on paying back dividends also. One option is that you, you get it back in U.S. dollars because we get U.S. dollars from rent rolls and from capital gains from sales. That's one option. Second option is obviously we are using the Ethereum network to get your uh, dividends back because you can choose to get it back in Ethereum. And again, that depends on the, each individual investor's risk tolerance. So if they want to take it back in Ethereum, they can. And then at that point, they can change it out to any other cryptocurrency they feel is more beneficial for them. And we have another option where you can, like many shares, you can reinvest into, you know, reinvest your dividends into more building blocks that will be built into our user interface. And hopefully the exchanges will have a, a similar function for that. So what platforms or exchanges are you going to list on? So I can't say where we're going to list. I can say there are great ones out there. I know T0 is a great one. Open Finance is another great one. So I can tell you this, though. We will be listing on an SEC compliant exchange. <laughs> we will yeah, we will not we be listing on, take a, place. On, a, yeah, on an exchange that's not SEC compliant. Obviously, you know, we're heavily regulated as a REIT and since day 1, we've followed the path of compliance and, and I this is what I like to say. You know, w- when you're building a car in, in the US, you build it for California standards because you can use it pretty much anywhere in the United States, right? And so when you're building a security or when you're building a REIT, build it for U.S. standards, and you're going to be able to use it pretty much anywhere in the world. Fair enough. There's a lot of uh, standards within construction as well. If we were to design according to the most stringent California standards with uh, OshPod and, and things like that, 
there would be minimal issues <laughs> with meeting building code anywhere else in the U.S. So I, I, I would agree with that. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the timeline for building Block Green. Where are you all right now in building the software and inviting partners and just kind of give us the timeline on where you you sit today. For as far as partnerships go, many of those are, are, are still very private. We do make announcements and I'll, I'll let you know how to, how to keep track of what, what our announcements are. But we have a, great, a lot of great companies that we have strategic partnerships with, alliances with. Um, and some of those are SVN uh, Chicago. SVN Chicago is a commercial real estate firm. Chicago Blockchain Project, another great organization. So, you know, these, these are some of the ones that we've already announced. And then there's others, you know, in motion that, you know, we'll, we'll announce in due time. Um, as far as where we are in the technology, so we're, we are still making sure that we identify all the right areas of the technology. We have a roadmap, essentially, and a tech map and, and some testings that we've done. But the completion of our seed round will help us complete that tech fully and get us enterprise ready. And this is only open to accredited investors. But we do understand that a lot of people want to get into this because it is very exciting. We do plan on doing a Reg CF or a crowdfund uh, in the future. I can't say specifically when, but I can say that we are planning on doing one at the moment. And that will be the first time that non-accredited investors are going to be able to buy into, uh, into the company. Okay, that's great. So... What's the best place to learn more about building Block Green? And how can someone get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more as well? Buildingblockreet.com. We also have a, uh, a newly opened Telegram channel that we've opened up. And you can find that through the website. Uh, we are on LinkedIn. We are on Facebook. And we are on Twitter. But the best place to get the information is going to be uh, buildingblockreet.com. You can even sign up on there with your email address. And we'll send you the announcements as they come along. And just for the audience's knowledge, I just joined Telegram at Building Block Reit. Uh, I, I joined the group. I'm looking forward to be part of the community and learning more about what you're up to. It is really exciting. Thanks again, Simon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Great rest of the day. Thank you. If you liked this episode, find out more in the show notes at constructor.com slash Simon if you learned something valuable, share it with your friends and colleagues. You can also let me know you enjoyed our discussion by connecting with me on Twitter at Brittany underscore CT or find me on LinkedIn. You can email me too at Brittany at Constructor.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-E at Constructor.com. Next week, you will hear a discussion I've actually had with three people working under the... EMEA Blockchain Lab, one of which is the COO, Anthony Day, and the other two are developing some really interesting blockchain and real estate pilot projects, Jan Willem Santing and Jakob Borsma. This team works to develop disruptive strategies and build blockchain propositions for their clients. Broadly, they work on digital strategies, digital transformation, blockchain strategy and proposition design, digital retail banking experiences, and digital wallets and payment propositions. But what I 
took the time to speak with this team about is the smart building concept. It just so happens to be that both Jan Willem and Jakob work in a building that I've focused a lot of attention on. Actually, probably this time last year when I spoke with PLP Architecture. This building, The Edge, has been deemed the smartest and also the most sustainable building in the world. So with that, we cover a lot of it from their perspective. What is Deloitte doing there? What are the pitfalls? What are the benefits? We also talk about the opportunities for blockchain and construction and real estate more broadly. And we talk about some specific pilot projects that they're working on and how this might integrate with different technologies like AI, machine learning, etc. I'm looking forward to sharing this interview with you next week.